I always find it interesting how when we get to intense parts of the book, you can tell they're good because we start talking faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of energy in this scene. To put it mildly, um, so Jake flies as fast as he can, um, as fast as his falcon buddy can. can. Marco and Cassie are staying behind to keep an eye on things. Jake has instructed them to do nothing. He doesn't want to get back and find their captured too. Uh, and then we have him second-guessing himself, but who was I to be given orders? I'd led my friend into a trap, a trap I might have expected if I'd taken my time to do some research. And then I hate this, not like from a writing perspective, from an emotional thing, but no, mm -hmm. I'd spent the night wasting time with my family. And mm -hmm. it's like, Jake, kiddo. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, how, but, how often do you think he's going to spend time with family now? Mm-hmm. Negative reinforcement, baby! Uh, but um, yeah instead I had to try play the big general and just sort of like Ay. but um, this is what's running through his head as he and Tobias uh, fly to the gardens even though Jake would rather be alone uh, Tobias is a more experienced flyer than any of them um, mm -hmm. and would help Jake fly there faster mm -hmm. um, and Tobias is like so why are we here um, considering like Tobias's crush, let's just put it that way, and best friend are the mm -hmm. ones who got captured. Tobias is always kind of emotionally intense and protective of everybody. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's those two specifically, it, it makes it why he is so emotional, I think. Because yeah. mm -hmm. his focus is always on other people. We've, we've mm -hmm. talked about that to his detriment. Yeah. Like, it's why he throws himself in harm's way. But either way, um, and Jake's like, right down there. And what he points to Tobias is a rhinoceros. Because mm -hmm. Jake's logic is, I need a morph, that can, a morph that can go straight through the fences, through the doors, and take a couple of bullets. You got a better idea? Uh, nope. But if you got a, I, I, how are you going to get close enough? Um, I'm fine. So we're at the far end of the enclosure. The crowds might not be able to see. Um, and Jake, Tobias is just like, okay, if you're just going to go in there, at least let me provide a distraction. And Jake's kind of like, do I want to? I'd rather you didn't. What if I'm wrong? Because again, he's now super second guessing every decision. Yeah. He's just like, okay, fine, do it. Don't get hurt. And I will give props to Tobias for his distraction. <laughs> um, Jake lands on one of the rhinos, uh, and the rhino's just like, does not even really acknowledge it happening, mm -hmm. but has to start, has to be human to morph. Uh, so starts doing the morph. Yep. Um, the rhino does start to notice. Um, but before that, he spots uh, Tobias, who flies down and steals co a cotton candy from a little girl. <laughs> and he's just, like, flying with this uh, puff of pink candy floss, doing blue angel moves as the crowd, like, watch and laugh and point. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, he's and he acquires this morph eventually. Um, yeah. I just the the... the and this becomes interesting when we get the perspective from the rhino later. Because mm -hmm. the rhino just becomes aware of this weight. And it's like, it's like looks around, it's like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> and he's, he's getting a little bit agitated, which, yep. to be fair, is a valid reaction to watching something morph. 
quite <laughs> frankly. Um, but even not, or even though he's not fully morphed back, he's still half blind. Uh, Jake reaches out uh, for the horn of this rhino as it looks at him, and it's able to go put it into the trance, even if he's not fully mm-hmm. human yet. Yeah. But he acquires the morph. Um, and they race back from the gardens. They're both exhausted, but time is yeah. running out. They have to um, fl- fight the wind to get back to the others. Um, Marco says an unhelpful thing um, mm-hmm. as uh, Jake asks what happened. Um, but they figure out uh, that there's like Cassie's po- that points out there's poison around the doors, bugs apples of the windows. Um, he's just like, I think Mr. Fenestri has some psychological problems to which Marco quips he can afford them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now what are we going to do to get Rachel and Axe out of there? And Marco's just like, I'm going to, uh, and she's like, I'm going to knock down the fences, kick in the door and stomp anything or anyone that gets in my way. Cool. Marco laughed with a touch of his now strained humor. Rachel would approve, but how? <laughs> um, Hey, you guys get ready. I'm hoping Mr. Finestri built that place with high ceilings and wide hallways yep. and proceeds to go full Jumanji. Yep. Um, and morphs rhino. Yep. And what's interesting about the rhino morph, uh, to be fair, we have this word of what, as he, the way the morph is described, Mark is like, what are you? Mo-? And I do feel like this is a what the fuck that got censored, mm-hmm. quite frankly, and it's beautiful. But then the horn sprouts, and Mark is just like, oh, that's what you're morphing. <laughs> um, what I like about the rhino morph, though, as he sort of sinks into it, is the rhino's just hungry, but is generally pretty chill, mm-hmm. uh, except of other rhinos. Mm-hmm. Sniffs the air, there is no other rhino here. I'm chill. Yeah. <laughs> and but then we have you know, comment, I would have to supply the aggression, which was fine because I had plenty. I had to save Rachel and Axe, and I had to do it right now. Now, before we get into this, the the rest of this mm-hmm. uh, tense action, um, I do want to go back just a little bit to the chaos that was right after. Mm, yes um because we, we've talked about it obliquely a lot already mm-hmm. so i don't want to get too yeah. much into it um but i do want to point out what we have been not saying outright which is that marco is the one who is mm-hmm. needling jake back into position um mm-hmm. who is demanding that jake do something who is shooting down other plans um He's still in strategist mode. Like, no, that won't work. No, that won't work. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, uh, bumpers when Mm. like you're bowling where it's Mm -hmm. like he, he is providing the parameters. Parameters. It's like, Um, it's like striking off things like process of elimination. We can't mm -hmm. do that. We can't do that. Jake, don't think about this because that won't work. This won't work either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like yeah it's very good mm-hmm. uh, yeah it reminds me of something that I cannot put my finger on but just that like snappy like no 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 you have to make a decision let's go mm-hmm. um, that's going to really frustrate the bejesus out of me that I can't remember what mm-hmm. that's from but yeah. it- I do appreciate that even with that 
he's clearly emotional because mm-hmm. the way he, Marco gets hot tempered, he doesn't really yell at people very often mm-hmm. or get mad at people. He yells, mm-hmm. but not usually at people. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think it, it's a sign of how worried he is. Yeah, and I think it's interesting the switch from marco being like nasty and Mm. just kind of yelling to as soon as jake says i don't know what to do he Mm. gets very pointed yeah and it's it's just it i want to draw attention to that like recognizing oh i see what the problem is Mm-hmm. And okay, well, we're not going to get out of this if Jake isn't making decisions. Mm-hmm. What it's it's upsetting, but this goes to prove to what we've discussed before mm-hmm. um, about how Marco knows the weak points. Mm-hmm. Marco sees it, but it's Jake who acts on it. And this mm-hmm. is one of these instances where Marco has to act on it because mm-hmm. he says the thing that Jake needs to hear to act yeah. on mm-hmm. it's like the pain that snaps you back in yeah it's it's the emotional and verbal equivalent of slapping somebody yes i did and it worked because jake is like though that's what it's like marco's words had been spears aimed right at my heart mm-hmm. and cassie defending him just made it worse yeah and that's interesting because and what's great I say, and interesting is Cassie's like, that we could use cockroaches no time. We have to morph outside. And he, granted, is still wrong in his theory, but mm-hmm. because he's asking the questions, mm-hmm. it's enough to help Jake get to the answer. Yes. Yep. And Marco's asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. And again, Cassie is covering the bases. Once, but the thing is, as soon as Jake makes that, point they aren't controllers this will do it's not yerks mm-hmm. and cassie calms down enough to start asking the questions they need to consider mm-hmm. they all do because the natural order of things is reasserting itself yeah it's mm-hmm. heartbreaking to read yep and also, when you think about it from an outside perspective, it's also hilarious because this is four birds making a lot of noise <laughs> on the roof of a Wendy's. Yeah. This is two ospreys, a peregrine falcon, and a red-tailed hawk having a barney on the top of Wendy's. Yep. Yep. So. So, Jake has morphed the rhino and has found yeah, out that home. the rhino is basically blind. <laughs> he cannot um, see for shit. And, and he Marco feels like he's tiptoeing. Which I find yeah. interesting too. Um, but yeah, because obviously, uh, I forget what it's called when the eyes are on the side of the head mm-hmm. rather than at the front. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, herbivores are often that big field of vision, but bad eyesight. And I like the callback yeah. to the, how blind the grizzly is mm-hmm. as well. And like mm-hmm. in the past, <laughs> you got to direct a rhino. There's just that notion. It's just like, okay, here it is. And this is incredible because they're just like, Okay, gate. She's like, okay, so what happened to the gate? Uh, there is no gate now. And the same thing happens with the fence. Like, it's one of those things where I think intrinsically we realize a big animal moving fast mm-hmm. is not a thing you want to be in the way of. 
But Jake in the morph is like, what was that? Is that anything? Yeah. Yeah. And this time it was a chain link fence. I felt something sort of tug at my horn. Where's the fence? Cassie asked. You just went, or Jake asked. You just went through it, Cassie said. And Mark is like, all right, this may work. Yeah. Um, he's unfazed by the dogs. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think a couple of the dogs like basically bounce off the rhino's mm-hmm. hide. And the mm-hmm. dogs are not stupid, just like, you know what? Actually, fuck this. Because <laughs> the dogs immediately just start running off. Yep. And, uh, and Jake starts to enjoy this morph. Yep. Um, but is able to sort of shrug off the bullets. Shotgun because bullets. they're the. Yes, exactly that. And he calls on this, like, you don't hunt rhinoceros with shotguns. You need high-caliber, high-power mm-hmm. guns to pierce that hide. Um, it doesn't feel great. <laughs> um, it stings his face. Um, but, yeah, he just starts charging. Um, yeah. And uh, he's like, get me to the door. And um, just, <laughs> okay, left, now right, okay, are you blind? Left, right, okay, charge. And what I like about this is from, is like, Jake is completely trusting the directions he's being given. Mm-hmm. And just like Cassie immediately responded when she told to pull up, like, when the group works in unison like this, mm-hmm. mwah, yep. it's almost like they're reliant on each other and their abilities. And that. Yep. Emma, um, just like I feel like we got, he charges. Wham! I felt like I hit a truck. I backed up and slammed forward again. Wham! Crunch! Man, that was a tough door. I said, "Uh, Jake, you missed the door. <laughs> That's the wall. You okay? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> One more push and we'll be in." <laughs> yeah, and then it's just like I felt scraping along my back, much cooler air, uh, and they're and they're in. And yep. Mr. Bai says they're also out of time. Uh, I'm sure it was a beautiful, beautiful house, but I didn't really see it. And they're just going through the house, like looking <laughs> indoors is- and like asking Jake to open the door for them. Jake, open this door, Marco would say. I would turn where he sh- showed me, shove my massive bony face forward, and the door would explode in splinters. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I love Cassie. We're trashing this man's home. I sure hope he's a controller after all this. He can't afford to have his doors fixed, Marco said. That's not the point, Cassie said. Then, Jake, open this door, please. um and they realize that this plan isn't working it's going to take too long yeah um they figure they gotta figure out the place of where they were uh so they send off tobias or tobias i should say heads off Mm -hmm. um meanwhile jake is still like lumbering around um and then tobias shouts well guarded Mm -hmm. tobias finds Uh, it (laughs) starts and you know this because he starts getting shot at Yep. Um, to be fair, he realizes it up here first that something's going on, probably because he spots the guards uh-huh. who then start shooting. Um, yep. And then they, they need to get up to where Tobias is. Yeah. Uh, and rhinos are not known for their small turning circles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, they deal with some more guards. Um, but Jake is starting to take enough damage yeah. uh, that he's feeling it. He's starting to yeah. get tired. Uh, he really struggles to get up the stairs yep. um, because he's so heavy mm-hmm. and it's breaking the steps. Yeah. Uh, so he realizes he's got to demorph. Uh, Marco and Cassie get to, you need to change morphs. Um, and he, he's scared for Tobias because he's a bird indoors being chased by dudes with shotguns. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but while in thought speak, uh, before he loses it in the morphing process, he's able to get through to Axe and tells mm-hmm. him to demorph because the time's up. And Axe is just like, but there are humans here watching me, Prince Jake. And he's just like, just do it, Axe. We're coming for you. And his thought speak cuts off. Um, yeah. as he's go, is, as he becomes more human and he's able to hear Axe agreeing to do as he's told. Mm-hmm. Uh, he climbs the stairs, still half a rhino, um, but he's human by the time he reaches the top of the stairs and then immediately goes into, uh, Tiger Morph. There's a brief moment of horror as one of the, uh, handgun bullets that mm. was shot into his shoulder emerges from the flesh of his shoulder. Uh, by good luck, it had ended up outside his body as it morphed into a smaller form. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawk z- zips by. <laughs> it's just like, what are you guys doing looking like that? Yep. And, and it's just like, yeah, I lost them. We got to do this. Um, and then Marco's like, what do we do? Yeah. I swear I almost punched him. If one more person asked me what to do. And then he does morph again, combat mode. Tobias try reach Rachel and Axe because obviously he can thought speak all the time. Tell her to demorph, no arguing. Um, the other guys are coming. Uh, Tobias gives them a safe place to morph, and he says he'll lead the guards away. Yeah. Um, and this they, is all very intense. <laughs> yeah, they go through a bedroom that is humongous, uh, and at the other side are two very scared-looking guys cradling weapons one carried a shotgun the other a small submachine gun they were 30 feet away for a frozen moment no one moved i could cover 30 feet in two seconds in those same two seconds the guy with the machine gun could fire 10 rounds he could easily kill me if he failed the force of my leap my desperate need to defend myself would ensure that he died it was time to gamble look you two men they stared at me like we like they were going nuts. They could guess that it was me they were hearing in their heads, but they had never even imagined talking to a tiger before. Then again, they'd never expected to be face-to-face with a small, angry zoo either. <laughs> yes, it's me, the tiger. Don't worry about how or why. Here's all you need to know. I don't want to hurt you, but I have to go past you. You may shoot me, but you won't kill me fast enough to keep me from taking you down. See this paw? I lifted one paw. My tiger paws were about as big around as a frying pan. I extended the cruel yellowed claws. With this paw, I can literally knock your head from your shoulders and send them rolling like bowling balls. Now, I don't know what you're getting paid for this job. Not enough, said the man with the machine gun. I can't believe I'm talking to animals, but that tiger makes sense. We're not getting paid nearly enough, his partner agreed. We put down our weapons and walk away. Agreed, Mr. Tiger? Agreed. (laughs) I love these mooks. Can yeah. I just say how much I appreciate the two guys guy? The tiger's talking and says it'll kill us if we take it out of the way. We are not paid enough. Yep. This is Later. above my pay grade. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Marco opens the door because he has I do. Ha- yeah, because like, Marco, now it's your turn to open the door because somebody has a morph that can. I love this. Marco raised his huge grill arms back over his, preparing to swing them down with shattering force. Marco, try the knob first. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> And he opens the door, and they yep. head through. Uh, they're in a weird room that has a yerk pool in the middle of it with two cages beside the pool. Axe is in one, Rachel's in the other. Uh, they're both frozen stiff and unmoving, not even breathing. Uh, Axe is half out of morph. Mm-hmm. Or half into andalite form. Yep. 
And then standing next to them is Joe Bob Fenestri, the second richest man on Earth. Uh, and he, he's holding a dragon beam. He's not pointing it at Jake. He's pointing it at Axe. Wrong again, Jake. This man was a controller. Had to be. Uh, Fenestri, uh, Marco and Cassie and Tobias follow him in. Fenestri is just looking at Jake. At last he spoke. So, not Yerks after all. I'm to be destroyed by Andalites. Well, I suppose there is some honor in that, at least. Uh, they go back and forth about, like, uh, about what they're gonna do. He's acting, he's not acting like any Yerk that they've encountered so far. Yeah, because... it's really interesting, because he's first like, let my friends go. She's like, I'm not interested in killing Andalites. It's not my life anymore. And it's yep. just like, they're in stasis, they're not dead. Mm-hmm. And it's some good banter. Actually, I really like this interaction, mm -hmm. and I like how much it calls to mind other interactions with Yerks, given what we're about to find out. Mm -hmm. We have the we have the uh, the bomb dropped. Of no, we don't. Um, I made him rich because they're talking about how he made his uh, control uh, his human uh, and the, their partners. This is yeah. not uh, him just controlling somebody, um, and ask them if they've made a deal with his brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the kids are just like, this is weird. Yep. Uh, and Cassie's like, press for information. Mm -hmm. um, so he's pacing, and it, uh, Jake explains that they found him through the website. She's like, of course you did. You were looking for allies. Um, mm -hmm. You came you here to sure. see if I was for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I love, he laughed. Then he began to laugh. He laughed in that sick way people do when they're laughing, but nothing is funny. Shall I tell you who and what I am, Andalite? Shall I? My Yerk designation is Esplin 9466. Note the double six. Do you know what it means? No. A double designation means that I am a twin. The two Yerks grew from the same grub. When there are twins, one is considered the prime and one the lesser. I am the lesser. My brother, my twin, is the prime. To him go the best assignments, the best hosts, the rank, the power, the glory, and to me, only what I can take. He made a fist on the word take. In some cases, brothers can share. In some cases, twins can even become allies. But not with my brother. My brother is power mad. Or maybe just mad now. He left me nothing. He assigned me to a poor, unimportant human host, this Joe Bob Finestri, a lowly programmer working in the bowels of a telephone company. But that wasn't good enough. I wanted more. And if I couldn't have it as a yerk, I'd have it as a human. I ended up making an alliance with my host because we're two of a kind, two losers in the shadow of our betters. I used Yerk technical knowledge to make Fenestri rich. I love that fucking human innovation continues to be due to aliens. Um, he found fucking Web Access America, which made me the greatest source of information on humans there was. I knew secrets my brothers could only get my brother could only guess at. Um, Jake has a slight slip about human uh, about terminology because um, mm -hmm. he knows too much. Just like and Jake beautifully covers this when the guy's like. You know a lot about human technology. It's just like, yeah, we're a small hearted band, knowledge is survival. Um, but yeah, he get he explains how he was cut off from the Candrona. Um, for the crime of being as great as he is, he would have murdered me. And mm -hmm. that's when it clicks for Jake who this is. Cassie figures it out too. And this is the twin of Visa Three. And I appreciate that we don't have Visa Three show up in this book. Yeah. We just have his twin. Yep. So it's close enough. <laughs> um, um, and we explain. Um, 
And Jake figures out that's why this guy is so paranoid because anything that comes onto his property could be Visser 3 and Morph. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he compliments them when yep. he asks if they've, yeah, you know, my brother, we've fought him and you lived. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> and here we get some yep. true horror. Yeah. Jake asks the $5 million question. Uh, so he cut you off from Candrona and yet here you are. <laughs> Uh, and Finestri nods. Uh, you know a York pool when you see one. Uh, and you know about the Candrona. I found a way to stay alive without a Candrona. That's not important. What's important is, what now? Uh, Cassie and Marco both point out, like, this dude is fucking lying. Yeah, they also uh, was like, actually, no, this is important. We would yeah. like to know. <laughs> uh, Jake needles him more. He says, your brother must know where you are. He could kill you anytime he wants. He could hit you from orbit and leave this place a big smoky ruin. And Finestri's like, no, that'd be too noisy. Uh, and when Jake counters well, he could send in Hork Bajir or something. He could, if he, if he wanted to kill you, he would. And Finestri's like, all right, well, you're clever. Uh, you still think you're the lords of the galaxies, don't you? We spread from planet to planet and keep falling back. And he's just giving a non-answer at this point. Mm-hmm. And Marco's like, yeah, this motherfucker's weaseling. He's trying to distract you. Uh, and Jake's like, all right, if you want to live, answer my question. Uh, and Finestri's like, all right. I'll rely on your fucking honor. Uh, my brother hasn't killed me because I have information he wants and needs. He doesn't want me dead. He wants me in his torture chamber aboard his blade ship. You see, I've found a way to survive without the Candrona, and Visser 3 would give anything to know how. Uh, and then we mm-hmm. get the answer. Finestri lowered the dragon beam he'd been pointing at Axe. There's a way to process and refine Candrona rays from another source. It can be made into an edible product, a food, so to speak, that I can consume with my human mouth and digest. This, Jake- that's the best <laughs> euphemism for what he's about to say what he does, because he's yeah. not lying. Yeah, Jake is understandably chilled by this, because if it's true, it means really bad things for them. And then Finestri goes on, uh... Because Jake's like, you're lying. If there there was a way to keep Yorks alive, that information would make you invulnerable. Uh, and Finish is like, oh, maybe not. For one thing, there was a long, involved process. But that's not the problem. The problem is the raw material. The raw material is my brother Yorks. I must destroy and process and consume a York every three days to survive. I have become a cannibal. Can I just say the notion of him, like... He basically like extracts Candrona from other Yurks. It's just yep. what mm-hmm. the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. This fucking Hannibal Lecter ass Yurk up in his billionaire mansion. Uh-huh. I'm just I know he says it's a long, complicated process, but I've just imagined like lobbing a Yurk in a blender and hitting yep. puree. Yeah. Like, I know that's not what it is, but also mm-hmm. <laughs> just a fucking Yurk smoothie. Yep. Uh, and he's like, so you understand why this wouldn't be popular around the York Empire, although my brother would definitely use it for himself. Uh, and Jake's, and Jake's like, oh, you really are Visser Three's twin. Uh, how do you get the Yerks? He shrugged. What do you think that silly Yerk form is about? That silly mix of fact and fiction. I control Web Access America. I know the identity of all the screen names. The chat room is full of different types. People who are actually controllers, trying to throw suspicious humans off track. Humans who have discovered our little invasion and are trying to rally opposition to us. And then, there's me. I spot the controllers. I spot the humans who think they've found family members who are Yerks. I monitor the real gung-ho Yerk fighters who identify potential controllers. I track down the screen names. I find the Yerks. One every three days. Ten a month. 
And Marco says, cool by me. Give the man a pat on the back and let's get Axe and Rachel out of here. And Jake has the same feeling. Fenestri is a sickening creature, but a hundred or more yurks per year, so much the better. But Cassie has connected the dots. How are you getting the yurks from the human hosts? Fenestri cocked an eyebrow at her. He seemed surprised. I saw a shadow of suspicion in his eyes. Cassie's question had not been whispered. It had been shouted angrily. Why, he was asking himself, would an Andalite care? How am I getting the Yurks from their human hosts? His face was dark, his eyes empty. How do you think I get them? This motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) Because why would he care? Yeah. He has no reason to. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah. But this fucking, what this leads to, I love this exchange. Mm Because Cassie is ready to rip this dude's throat out. Yeah. Not thinking, she jumps at him. Uh, she's racing towards him to basically kill him. Yeah. He raises a dragon beam, but it's not fast enough. But Jake knocks her out of the air. Yep. Claws retracted. Um, he stops her. But, and this is, this is interaction. And Cassie's like, why are you stopping me? And Jake's like, I told him we wouldn't. And Cassie's like, he's basically he's a murderer. You get what he's doing. Jake's like, yes. And he's screaming in frustration. I told him he was safe. I promised. Besides, and she's like, no, don't say it, Jake. You, if you say that, I won't be able to deal with you anymore. So don't say it. I feel like she punched me in my own real face. What had I been about to say? Was I really going to say it was okay for this creature to go on doing what he did as long as he got the yurks? Was I going to say that? Me? I wasn't going to say what you think, I said lamely. Cassie didn't answer. She's good at spotting lies. Too good. And he's trying to explain himself. And Cassie's just like, that kid, that lonely kid, that's who this monster goes after. Not some abstract person with no face and no name. He'll wait until Gump does something stupid, till he confesses his fears to his controller father, and his father makes him a controller too. Then Fenestri will go after them. What do you expect me to do? I asked her. You want me to get rid of this man because he's evil? Do you want me to do it? Do you want to do it yourself, Cassie? You, your morph would do it better, she said. You want me to get rid of him for you? I asked. Is that what you want? Fenestri just stands there waiting as this wolf and tiger are bristling at each other. Mm-hmm. He was trying to figure it out, but I could see from his eyes that the truth had not come to him yet. I backed away from Cassie and he turns to Fenestri. My friend has lost friends in the battle against your people. She is emotional. He nodded, unimpressed. We all lost friends in this unpleasantness. Release my two friends, I said. We'll let you live. We'll walk away. As long as you are in this house, we won't harm you. But I'll tell you so you will know. If we ever catch up with you in the outside world, that protection will not exist. It was a stupid little threat. I said it to make myself feel better. But Axe and Rachel are released. Axe continues his morph. Rachel's still breathing. They hope that there's enough time to get her into her body. They talk to her via thought speak. Tell her to start demorphing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she's just like, there's a dude there. Um, for once don't argue just start demorphing Marco carry her and Rachel just like I'm not letting him carry me but she's too weak to argue so Marco goes and lifts her up mm-hmm. and for now she's just like perhaps we'll meet again and Jake doesn't say anything 
uh, aware that he's letting a monster live, a killer go free. Um, on the way out, uh, they're still demorphing as Rachel as they hit the stairs. Rachel's still demorphing. Axe is almost fully Andalite, still with a couple of bird pellets, bird shot pellets in him, but it's not enough to hurt. Jake flies overhead. They make it to the trees, um, and then by the time they get there, they're all demorphed. And Rachel is pissed because mm-hmm. it looks like there was a fight and she missed it. <laughs> um, she's like demanding answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, the way I might describe it, she's not like giddy with glee. She's just like, there was a fight and I missed it. What happened? And she wants to know, is this guy a controller or not? Was he a good guy or a bad guy? And Jake laughs. His eyes lock with Cassie and then they both look away from each other. And he says, Rachel, I don't even know which I am anymore. And then we have our closing couple of chapters. Yeah. Somebody else tells Rachel and Axe what happened because Jake doesn't. Yeah. He goes home and he's in, sh- it's, he's in shock. He's in shock. It sh- reads like mm-hmm. shell shock. Mm-hmm. He mumbles his way through dinner and then he goes out to his old swing set from when he was like four and stares up at the sky. And this detail of the stars came out, and man, I hated them. They weren't beautiful, they were deadly. It was from the stars that all my problems had come. His mom comes out, she's pretending she's checking on the plants, but of course she's checking on Jake. And in the way that a mom does, uh, what you doing <laughs> out here, thinking great thoughts? Uh, and she asks if anything's bothering him, and he says no. And she says, well, if anything was bothering you, you could probably tell me without my embarrassing you too much. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's nothing. And she's like, well, I guess you're a teenager. I'm too out of it to talk to anymore. Uh, and he uh, makes a smile for her. Uh, that must be it, I said. It must be that whole teenage thing. She shrugged. And this is like my favorite non-anamorph conversation, like family conversation in the whole goddamn series. It's so good. Yeah, I think you've you've mentioned this to me before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she shrugged. You know, when I was your age and feeling upset, my mother, your gram, would always just say, you don't know what unhappy is. You're just a kid. Like anything a kid would feel would be less difficult or painful than what an adult would really feel. That's probably true, I said, not really listening. No, it isn't, my mother said firmly. In a lot of ways, being a kid is worse than being an adult. You have the same things to deal with, friends, temptations, love and hate and all that. Only you don't have the two great weapons that adults have to help them. I cocked an eye at her. What two great weapons? Well, the first is experience. Experience maybe doesn't make you smarter, but it means you can think, hey, I had something like this happen once before and I survived. Okay, I'll ask, what's the second great weapon? She looked right at me. You are, Jake, because as your mom, I can look at you and think, oh man, As bad as I feel right now, as bad as things may be, at least it isn't as bad as being a teenager. Uh, And Jake laughs, um, and they go inside and watch TV. Um, But just that that -hmm. acknowledgement of, like... Because so often in these kind of books, you get that exact sentiment that she's talking about, that, like, uh, oh, you're just kids, you couldn't possibly know what it's like to really feel things but like this is the only book that i ever remember reading in this kind of age bracket where -hmm. it's like no kids live and feel and deal with the same kinds of problems the same way adults do they just don't have the experience to back it up 
Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad it's in here in a book series for children. Yeah. Uh, because it's good. really important. Um, uh, but Jake is still feeling bad the next day. Uh, he's glad that his mom and dad care about him. It's nice that they sympathize, but they can't understand because for them, everything is about my age. How can they help me make life and death decisions? How can they help me keep making those decisions when I've made mistakes? How can they help me make decisions no human being can ever make correctly, like deciding what to do with Fenestri? He looks around for Cassie uh, because he wants to make up with her. They left on pretty bad terms. Um, realizes she's not in school. Intuits Twi- where she is. Like instantly, just like, ah, oh, yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. where she is. Uh, he makes his way to the roof, cursing because he just doesn't want it. He knows he's going to get in trouble for skipping second period. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he morphs the falcon and flies away um, and heads straight to um, – he wasted some time going to Gump's house, which was stupid because uh, he realizes Cassie would have known to wait till he was away from the house. So he looks for the nearest elementary school and heads there. The kids were at recess and one little boy is off by himself at the far end of the play field and there's a dog with him. Or at least the average person walking by would think it was a dog. I really don't think they would. No. But you know. Wolves are very wolves are large. Big. I know they aren't quite as large as they come across as in film stuff because they make them look a little bigger. Mm-hmm. But they still, like, I think they're sort of on the scale of, uh, you would not know, of a Great Dane or mm-hmm. like an Irish wolfhound. But mm-hmm. obviously with the fur and stuff, they have yeah. like bulk. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if you've never seen a wolf or think that they're as big as there are in movies, maybe you would just assume it's a big dog. Maybe. But either way, um, the kid, like, the little boy pats the wolf and then walks back to his classmates. Uh, then I really, the wolf is on the play field as yeah. well, but just then hops the fence, goes into the trees, and um, Jake just says to Cassie, like, says her name, uh, mm-hmm. and she goes back into human morph, human morph, into human uh, as well, so the two of them can talk in something other than thought speak. Also, who knows how long they've been in morph. Um, and Jake asks what she told the kid. And uh, she says, yeah, well, I said I was a magic wolf. I don't think he believed me. Eh, nine-year-olds probably don't <laughs> believe in magic. Um, and Cassie explains that uh, she told him not to go into the chat room again and told him, him not to talk to his father about yurks. And and th- she's clearly really messed up about this, like because mm-hmm. she's had to tell this kid not to trust his father, and the two of them are crying because one of the two things that they share is that they trust their parents, mm-hmm. and she hates herself for this because you know, what a terrible thing for me to do, what a filthy, disgusting thing for me to do. It was the best you could do, I said. It was all you could do. I guess it's hard to fight evil without doing some along the way. Maybe there was a little I told you so in my voice. And understandably, Cassie just walks off. Mm-hmm. And he lets her go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like this acknowledgement. Again, important stuff to put in children's books. Mm-hmm. Not everything can be settled. Not everything can be smoothed over. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few days later, there's a fire on the TV news. Uh, Joe Bob Finestri's mansion has burned down. Yep. Um, he's safe. 
no one was hurt. And Jake Hall's like, eh, warned him he was only safe as long as he was in that house. Now it was no longer possible for him to stay in that house. And I really like this. Did the mansion mm-hmm. burn down on its own or did someone start the fire that deprived that evil creature of sanctuary? If someone set the fire, there was a long list of suspects. Vissa 3, Cassie, one of the others, me. I guess you'll never know. I make mistakes. I fail sometimes. Sometimes I'm just plain stupid. Sometimes there is no right answer to the problems we face, but what can you do but keep trying to figure the answer out anyway? What else can you do? And then about a week later, Jake goes to Cassie's place. They don't really talk, but he helps her with the animals. Helps her put a splint on a deer, and I like the detail of it. It was nice because, you know, it was just a good thing to do. No second guessing, no doubts. And then they start talking and laughing. The others come over, and they all help. Mm-hmm. Like shoveling manure. Marco makes jokes. Axe tries to eat a cow pie because there has to be some lightness here. Rachel moans about Cassie's taste in clothes. And we were us again. For now. Roles established. And that's where the book ends. Mm-hmm. Another really fucking strong book. I'm yeah. going to be so mad when the ghost riders kick in and the quality drops off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are good. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. I do appreciate having been warned, just like, yeah, brace yourself. It, yeah, this quality don't last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is a much stronger book than I remembered it being. Uh-huh. Uh, For the sake of hopping to the what surprised you about it or what didn't you remember. Yeah. So, yes. It's, uh, like, I remembered it as the, oh, this is the one with the cannibal yerk in it. (laughs) To be fair, a notable thing about it. Yeah, but that, like, that was it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was all I remembered about it. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, and then it was like, oh, this is the book where he gets squished as a fly. Oh, this is the book where he has that conversation with his mom. <laughs> yeah, like Element. You remembered Elements, but you didn't connect them to the Cannibal Yerk book. Yeah, not not even a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And like some of it I had, like all of the really intense interpersonal stuff, I didn't remember at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I read it, I was a child and I didn't go back yeah. and read Jake books for the most part. Fair. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it is it is a strong book. Really strong. And I, it doesn't have the pitfall of really stupid, distracting bad shark science mm-hmm. like the Marco book. Mm-hmm. It has its lighter moments, but let me tell you, I would much rather have the distraction of a bear with a mop than <laughs> fucking adjusting i'm not going to be over the sharks for a bit okay (laughs) i know some of y'all like the shark science and that's great and that's good i think it's the dumbest fucking thing possibly in these books and there was a horse on the phone the horse on the phone bothers me less than the fucking shark science because that ain't trying to be serious that in text is like what the fuck is that hawk trying that horse trying to use a payphone for that's weird (laughs) But no, 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 no. Serious, like, oh, yeah, they're adjusting the sharks to make room in their brains for yerks. What the fuck? (laughs) 
There's not that in this book, is what I'm getting at. Like, uh, you could, like, just saying a cannibal yerk, okay, kind of flippant, but it's genuinely treated as a horrifying thing. Yeah. It is not a joke. Yeah. They they have properly painted this dude as appropriately sinister. Because, uh, Visa th- of course, Visa 3's twin has to be yeah. sinister. This is the guy that I try to channel when I think about um, mm. David. Or not, not for listeners who don't listen to uh, dumb kids. Not that David. <laughs> no, fiction. Uh, totally, Doctor David. Fictional David. Uh. <laughs> Doctor Dave. Doctor Dave. Uh-uh. Yeah, which is interesting because obviously I was reading this and I know about oatmeal, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, is this the introduction of oatmeal? No, this is worse. This yep. is upsetting. Oatmeal yeah. is funny. This is nightmare fuel." Yep. You ever just kill a human and hoik the yerk out of their head to make to chow down on? Yeah. Like I'm being flippant because it's yeah. upsetting and yeah. it's easier to be flippant about it. Like you said, it. it's some Hannibal Lecter shit. Mm-hmm. Let me be clear. I love this character. Mm-hmm. I really like this as a contrast to Visa 3, but mm-hmm. also just like, oh yeah, big sibling energy. <laughs> it feels and I'm not. It's almost very Shakespearean, which fits mm-hmm. the fucking hammy, fucking messy bitch mm-hmm. vibe of Vista Three. Like that, his twin is this very cold, self-serving. Well, if I can't lead there, then I'm gonna do the best that I can here. Yep. Which is like fine. I'll bake my own casino with blackjack and hookers. Except I'm gonna be really rich and become a cannibal <laughs> to live. <laughs> Couldn't been a really smart brain figure out a way to do artificial Candrona, which I thought was going to be the case or whatever. Just like, nah. Hey, you know how animals can get nutrients when they eat other things that have nutritious value because energy doesn't go anywhere? How can I apply this to my situation? Yeah. I, w- I want to know how he figured this out. I mean, arguably, if you were just like watching a documentary or something about how nutrients happen... Like, because yes, the nutrients we get from our food were once part of a creature. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And that's why, obviously, cannibalism. Uh, I, th- I can't remember if somebody was making a joke about this. No, this was actually to do with uh, my Thursday night gaming group. There was a mm-hmm. conversation about cannibalism. Don't ask. It was it was very in keeping. But like, so I guess prion disease isn't a thing with yucks. <laughs> Or maybe it is. And maybe, maybe that explains some things about yeah. Joe Bob. Well, maybe he just hasn't... Uh, yeah, we don't know how long yet. he's been doing this. Yeah. Is the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's some fridge horror in and of itself. Yep. So I suppose if you aren't familiar with the trope, because we've used it a couple of times, the whole concept of fridge horror or fridge logic and stuff like that, it's like once you've left the thing, like watching a movie or reading a book, and you go to the fridge to get a snack... Mm-hmm. And then it hits you after the fact. Yeah. That that's that's fridge horror. Yep. So like the ongoing implications the more you think about something afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then it hits you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's things that are funny on recollection, but no, a lot of the time it is just, oh, this is so much worse. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Like that moment Cassie has of figuring it out. Just like mm-hmm. that that's Cassie having a moment of it right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, this is a very cool character, mm-hmm. and I really like it as a as a way to um, 
have as a parallel to Jake and have Jake make these choices what to do with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I suppose leads us neatly into our discussion point, mm-hmm. which Danielle has written in our document that I had not spotted before. <laughs> um, so who do we think set the fire at the end? And I'm resisting the urge to bust into Billy Joel. <laughs> what was Billy Joel, right? I don't, Billy, I I don't, don't know. I didn't I start know. the fire? We yeah, I know the song. I don't know the... Okay, now I'm going to have to look artist. it up. Uh, what do you think? Um... Uh, part of me thinks it's Cassie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I was going to also say I think Cassie won because of how angry she was. And I don't think that she's wrong to be that angry, let me be clear. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that when it's described, it's Cassie or maybe one of the others or me. Mm-hmm. Because Jake will take the blame for things the others do because he's the leader. Right. I don't think Jake did it at all. No, I don't either. I I think it was probably Cassie and maybe Rachel who went with her because we know Rachel does that. Mm-hmm. Because Cassie is probably the one that explained it to Rachel and Axe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know I can absolutely see it seeing. Hell, I could see it being all of the others, but I definitely think it was Cassie who spearheaded it mm-hmm. without question. That makes the most sense. And I also like that for her as a thing of agency because mm-hmm. she made the choice to go do the gump thing, to go see mm-hmm. him. And it's like after Jake makes that dig at her about sometimes you got to do evil things yeah. when fighting evil. Mm-hmm. And she walks off. I can see her going, okay, if that's how it's going to be. And also the detail that nobody was hurt. Yeah. Because that makes it sound very careful. Mm -hmm. And only she and Mark, she, Marco and Tobias were the only ones that could hear Jake say that to Joe Bob. Mm -hmm. It's easy to say Joe Bob and it's fun. Um, to know the condition that Jake set. Right. So, because there's no reason why Vista 3 would do that. Mm-hmm. No reason. So, yeah. 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 It's uh, because we don't have, we don't have any evidence that Visser 3 was mm-hmm. actively, actively going after him. Yeah. Also, like if like, it had been he a was race flying to the center, in, yeah. maybe. He was also on a jet every fucking day to go to work. Yeah. He could have been got by any time by Mm -hmm. Vizzle 3. A bunch of children walked into the building and then turned into animals, you know. (laughs) Apparently security's not that tight at the internet building. (laughs) So, rapid response time, don't get me wrong, but also... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I do... I I like the implications of it being Cassie. Mm Mm-hmm. I like the connotations that has a re- as a reflection of what happened and going forward. Yeah. It's so it's it's all indicative like this whole thing, you know, I uh, we have talked before about how uh Cassie comes up with sometimes the most clutch solutions to things. Mhm. Almost exclusively when she's under pressure and hasn't had the chance to second guess herself. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, we see her emotional reaction as a result of figuring out what Fenestri has done, 
But as mm-hmm. soon as Jake stops her and gives her a second to think about it, she starts second guessing. She starts second guessing it. Mm-hmm. And like the, the way that she's able to go to Gump and say, you can't trust your father. But then afterwards, cried she, about it. She understandably it. Yeah. Right. She, but she, she also, she mourns something she, that she's lost something of herself. She hates that she's taken away that from that little boy. Mm-hmm. But she hates that she had to do it yeah. as well. She's mourning a little bit of her own innocence that's been lost in doing that. Yeah. Recognizing. And it's, it's tragic. Yeah. Because, you know, we talk about how she is the one, she is the one who thinks about after the war. She's the one yeah. who tries to keep them on some kind of moral center and who reminds them, like, look, we can't just cross every line. Because if and we like, cross every line, we're mm-hmm. not going to be people after this. Yeah. And like you said, she charges herself with maintaining Jake's humanity. Mm-hmm. And so for her to opt to do the thing and then yeah. for have Jake to throw it back in her face, mm-hmm. it's like, see, sometimes you do have to do bad things. Yeah. And I get that he's saying, and it sucks and I'm sorry that this is what we now do, mm-hmm. but we all have to do it. Yeah. And um, this thought just occurred to me, occasionally, and I like this for her characterization. I don't want this to come across as me criticizing. Mm-hmm. Cassie can be a little bit vindictive. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way that all people can. Yeah. Let me be clear. Yeah. Because she is such a compassionate, empathetic person. Yeah. But sometimes she's mean. Yeah, it grounds her to me as a like mm. a, an actual person. Yeah, she becomes more real rather than like a Pollyanna type. Yeah. Because if she was all goodness, sweetness, light, one, that would be boring. Mm-hmm. Two, I think it would be very easy just to then make her a certain role. It gives her dynamicness. It gives her character a dynamic. Yeah. And yeah, as you said, it she's more interesting for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like Marco can be nasty. Yes. um, And like, and Rachel can be nasty. They all can. Yeah. They all can. It, and also, I think it pays tribute to the fact that kids can be incredibly cruel. Mm -hmm. And I think it paints to what Jake's mum was saying because you haven't had as much experience Mm -hmm. because you lash out because you're emotional because everything is so heightened. When you're yeah. that age, yeah. I remember saying some truly horrible things. Oh yeah, to people. I did horrible in- things. Same. I still have regrets about a thing I said to my mum mm-hmm. as a, like a seventeen, sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old, mm-hmm. um, and I've apologised to her multiple times for it, and I still feel bad. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is, we haven't got the experience of learning just what our words can do to people. Yes. And that is something that comes with experience. Mm -hmm. And they are so young. And Mm -hmm. they are dealing with impossible, horrifying situations and under so much pressure that occasionally you do lash out. Mm -hmm. And it's I can completely understand it. Yeah. But also, like, reading it from the outside, it's just like, fucking holy shit. Yeah. Like the way we discussed, like the way um, that Jake talks to Rachel sometimes. And we talked about it like <laughs> she's the only one that can take it. Yeah. Because he lets himself be mean to her in a way he isn't to the others. 
because mm-hmm. she's the strong one. Mm-hmm. We've seen the way Rachel talks to Marco sometimes. And when it's in a heated situation, it bothers me less as yeah. opposed to just being mean. Right. And like, but yeah, Tobias can get incredibly angry and frustrated. Yeah. He gets well. like really sarcastic and mean. Yeah. It's interesting the, the it, different flavors mm, of it. Yeah. But the thing is, well, picture out is like, Tobias is a predator all the time. So he has opportunities to let out his anger and rage hmm. in a way that the others maybe don't. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think his meanness comes out very cold, like you said, and sarcastic. Mm. This is interesting. This could be a whole discussion all by itself. <laughs> this was a very good book, y'all. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite part is that's one of our ending questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be the conversations between Jake and Cassie. Yeah. But I don't think it's the first time that's been the case. But the parallel conversations at the airport mm-hmm. and that face-off yeah. in uh, Joe Bob's yerk pool room and also a little bit that conversation at the end mm-hmm. like the, the actually just the through line of jake cassie conversations in this book mm-hmm. and the little journey that they map but the visual i gotta say and i mentioned it before that conversation when cassie is wolf and jake is tiger and he says are you asking me to do this for you mm-hmm. and it's like do you know this is what you're asking me to do and forcing her to be as aware of the situation as he is. Mm-hmm. And I like that moment because, one, it's an incredibly aware thing to say, and two, it's a little bit selfish on his part. It's extremely manipula- manipulative it on his It absolutely part. is. And it's fascinating yeah, and upsetting and incredibly good. Because he knows if he points it out to her that she's going She'll to back start down. to second-guess herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, he weaponizes that against her. Like, hey, think about what you're doing. Think about what you're asking me to do. Mm-hmm. And, and it. Mm-hmm. Because <sighs> Cassie doesn't like to ask for things because she you know mm-hmm. it will be done. And we've seen before that Jake doesn't make her ask because yeah. he knows it, it, like that time on the boat. Mm-hmm. And this instance, he's making her ask for it. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to do it either. I don't think in that moment he doesn't want to do it because mm-hmm. he knows that it will cause more problems in the long run. And by asking her, like you said, I said it's patently manipulative and it's fascinating. And as I said, it's selfish because he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And he is using his skills to get out of a thing he doesn't want to do because it's a messy, complicated situation. Mm-hmm. And This is incredibly hurt. good. He is hurt. Because he because she has called him out mm-hmm. on what she knows his mindset He's, is right now. Yeah. And he doesn't like that. No, and he lashes out. Mm-hmm. And and I, I said before, it's the same way that I've I've posited that he yells at Rachel because he sees in her her readiness mm-hmm. to do something. Because Rachel if she'd been in that room in that moment, she would have done it. Yeah. Hands down, because that's what she does. Mm-hmm. This is incredibly good writing and characterization. This is Animorphs at its strongest, is moments like this. Yeah. That's why I like it so much. <laughs> Hi, Danielle. Thanks yeah. for asking me to do this podcast. Yeah, this well, is thank great. You. Thank you for doing this podcast <laughs> with me. 
love to get angry and emotional and like fucking literally literary analysis mode. Yeah. Yeah. Love to get to explore these kinds of dynamics with our Animorphs podcast that we, uh, mm -hmm. our other one that we do where we get to actually play out these kinds of decisions. Mm-hmm. I got thoughts about upcoming stuff, yo. It's exciting. <laughs> um, what about you? Do you have a favorite part? Oh, I love all the Cassie, Jake moments. I love the visceral horror of when he gets swatted. Mm, um, so good. Yeah, and 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 how shaken up he is, mm -hmm. and and how much he's trying not to show that he's shaken up. Just mm -hmm. like that whole sequence of what happened and his reactions to it, yeah, uh, is is uh, real fucking good and real uh, indicative of what he thinks before he even says anything to Cassie, mm -hmm. what he thinks he needs to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good shit. Mm -hmm. uh, did anything surprise you? I mean, Cannibal Yerk was a, a leap <laughs> that I was not expecting to happen. Um, I'd say maybe that was the biggest surprise. I was also, i say, not necessarily surprised, but pleasantly taken aback narratively to see, I don't want to say the mask come off because that's not quite the vibe I mean, mm -hmm. but to see, I guess, Jake be that honest about it in that mm -hmm. conversation with Cassie. Mm -hmm. And I, I like, I like that a lot. Yeah. Because it makes going forward their dynamic that much more interesting. If it had been something he was keeping from her and from the others, it would be less interesting. Yeah. Than the fact that she knows it because it gives her things to do as yeah. well. It reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've been listening to Gay Space Rocks, um, but I haven't. Of, but I have watched. Yeah, a so bunch of one Steven of Universe. the episodes in Steven Universe in season one, uh, the gems set up like an obstacle course that he has to get through, mm. um, yes. and he ends up kind of, sort of getting out of it in a weird way. But he eavesdrops on a conversation that the gems are having about. Uh, like how they feel like they need to do this for Steven and how they're really afraid that they're messing everything up. And like, this is the moment when Steven decides, Oh, I have to take care of these people. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, the sequence of events in this book is when Cassie really decides, Oh, I have to protect Jake's humanity because he's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's just, the the fact that she sticks to it through everything in the series like she honestly this becomes her her mission in mm -hmm. so many ways and and to the group at large also but like even when it is actively detrimental to certain things yeah like she will ch make the choice to save Jake Save the human Jake, not the general Jake. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is so compelling. Mm hmm. Um, and sad. Mm hmm. It really does pay attention to 
like I suppose war stories and what I find interesting about those kinds of narratives, despite the fact that war stories are so prevalent in Western media, mm-hmm. uh, I can recommend uh, Lady Knight the Brave recently did a video essay on 1917, a film that I had no interest in watching at all because I don't really care about war films. Mm-hmm. And the gimmick behind it was like, eh, yes, it looks beautiful. Her essay made me want to watch it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but just, just, and it's why part of why I want to watch MASH because I, mm-hmm. it did, I haven't seen it and I want to. Mm-hmm. But like, what, are we fighting for? Yeah. And we've talked before about their different motivations for why we fight. And we've talked about how the second round of books sort mm-hmm. of developed that mm-hmm. in a different way yeah, or, or further. And I really like what you're saying here about, even though this is Jake's book of seeing Cassie take on this mantle, because what is the point of fighting if they're going to lose all of themselves to it mm-hmm. because it's and this is just occurring to me so again apologies for rambling what you were just saying about cassie wanting to defend jake's humanity when throughout this book he's talked about that need to go back to his normal life mm-hmm. and cassie is making sure he has something to go back to yeah these are children <laughs> Let me remind you, this is 13-year-olds! <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> Read Animorphs. Feel things. <laughs> Scream with us. <sighs> oh, God. Fuck. <laughs> hey, Jade, what has surprised you about reading Animorphs? How emotional I get! <laughs> I feel like I wasn't opaque about this. <laughs> no, but also, you know, people have emotions about things and not everybody has the same response. Like, not everybody that watches Pacific Rim is as emotional about it as I am. <laughs> like, I knew that you had a lot of emotions about it, as did Jen. I'm like, wow, these books must be something special for Danielle to still care so much about these stories as an adult. Mm-hmm. fucking nigh on coming up on 20 years after reading them mm-hmm. that does not prepare one for experiencing <laughs> the emotions themselves danielle okay <laughs> like i knew you liked animals all right i just thought oh well of course and, and danielle's a nice kind person of course they're gonna be emotional about it jeez i'm me <laughs> oh no i'm now i'm sad too <laughs> oh good I'm glad I can join you in this pit of emotion. Yep. It's it's the Schadenfreude which really does it for me. <laughs> I was gonna say, I can tell the glee in which you're like, ah yes, now Jade is here and Jade suffers. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's good. It's very good. Oh, uh, should we wrap up? We should wrap up. <laughs> uh, We've been at this a while today. We have. We had a lot of Jake feelings to talk about. We did. Uh, my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on the internet at Jade Oxford Rose. You can find their home podcast, Follow the Leader, at FTLcast on Twitter or uh, at FTLcast.com. You can listen to them and myself on Dumb Kids Playing Hero, an Animorphs-inspired actual play podcast. Uh, 
wherever you find your podcasts, or you can find it on Twitter at DKPHpod. Uh, and uh, come talk to us on the Escafil Fires Files Twitter, which I haven't plugged in a hot minute, at Escafil Files. Uh, come yell at us about how emotional you are, but make sure that you tag your spoilers because mm. I'm very invested in Jade not being completely spoiled. <laughs> yeah, let me be clear. I came across a Tumblr post with uh, KA's letter to the fans post-series, <laughs> and I saw the top of it and I was like, oh, I should read this. No, I should not read this. Scroll, 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 scroll. Um, so, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, no. There was like, I, I saw one thing and then I realized, oh, that's going to be spoilery. And it mm. wasn't plot heavy enough that mm-hmm. I could... You know, I'm just going to uh, roll. I have some theories, and let me tell you, none of them make me happy. <laughs> none of them. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll pitch one. I I only don't pitch them to Danielle because I don't expect them to lie to me, and they're very <laughs> emotional about stuff. So mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, as I mentioned, Danielle, they're my co-hosts. They're fucking amazing. You can find them on Twitter at RedtailTalk90 and their games at RedtailTalk90.itch.io, uh, including said hack, um, or uh, including the system where you too can play an Animorph in a very copyright-free way for free. Check it out. The updated version will be hitting itch soon. You can also hear them play a kick-ass pilot called Awine Evans and have emotions about them having emotions about robots and their <laughs> ship. It's good. Check out the room where it happened. I, my understanding is that season is getting real close to maybe it's and either way. Yeah. Shit's kicking off. It's a lot. Even if I'm not up to date, you should check it out at RoomwarePod on Twitter listen to it it's good shit we plugged with the other ones yeah that's it it's good have fun let's do a clap let's do a heckin clap (laughs) 